0: Good morning, Cornerstone. Good morning. The kingdom is here, I lay down my old flame to carry your new fire today. As we conclude our study in the book of Romans, and as Paul concludes his exposition of the grace and love of God to the church at Rome, Paul finally turns to address a pervasive cultural disposition that seems to have permeated the body of Christ in the church at Rome. It was a disposition of hopelessness and despair. This disposition was part and parcel of the Greek and of the Roman culture. A disposition most of them would have absorbed from their environment, from their culture, and from which many of them needed to be delivered from, hopelessness and despair. Historical writings confirmed to us that the Romans were not simply without hope but that they actually despised hope. In Greek mythology, Pandora had a box. We all know of Pandora's box. And her box, it is said, was filled with all the evils of the whole world and one day out of curiosity, Pandora opened the box and all of the evils flew out into the world. But as the last evil was about to fly out, she slammed the box shut and only one evil remained. Hope. Therefore, the Greek philosophers complained that the evil of hope remains inside of us to this day. That was their complaint. They hated hope. The Greek philosopher Aeschylus declared that hope is the food of exiles. Sophocles cried out, we are of the tribe that asks questions and we ask them till the bitter end until no tiniest chance of hope remains to be strangled by our hands. The Greeks and the Romans hated hope. They despised the very idea of hope because they assumed that fate is unchangeable and therefore hope is a fool's errand. Hope is no more than an illusion, a waste of time, a distraction from the business of life. Hope in their view was a fatal flaw that should be dismissed wherever it may be found. And the Roman believers that Paul writes to had been reared in this fatalistic environment and hoping did not come naturally for them. And so now that we're armed with this backstory, we could recognize the intentionality and precision with which Paul pins this benediction of blessing to the church at Rome when he writes, now may the God of hope. And this title for God is an unusual but very important description of God, tailored to the specific needs of Paul's original audience, the Romans. We can also assume that by this title, Paul is addressing the people's instinctively pessimistic intonation because nowhere else in the Old Testament or in the New is God ever depicted as the God of hope only in this verse, in this book of Romans. That clues us into the fact that this title is precisely used as a counter to their unique deficiency of hope. This pessimistic malady, this hopelessness did not cease with the failure of the Roman Empire. This tendency towards cynicism has carried on through the centuries with poets like Abraham Cowley that, that said, hope is fortune's cheating prize. where, everyone, where For every one winner, there are at least 100 losers. Hope is a cheating prize. Dr. Percy Shelley says, worse than despair and worse than the bitterness of death, is hope. Nietzsche quotes and says, hope is the worst of all evils, for it prolongs the torment of man. Hmm. And even today, despair is prized and valued more than hope. To be semi-depressed nowadays is considered to be authentic. To be transparent about one's bouts with melancholy is considered to be courageous. And it seems like cynicism has become trendy once again. Which makes these words of Paul just as important for us and urgent today as they were for the Romans back then. And now abides these three. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love and since we must assume that faith is in a close second to love that means that the least of these three is hope and maybe that explains why there are so few books written on hope maybe that explains why there is so little research on the phenomenon of hope You can search psychiatric journals, I did it. You can browse any encyclopedia and you will find an abundance of information on love, even more information on faith, but hope is not often listed. And when hope is mentioned, hope receives not much more than a basic definition. Hope, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Hope, a feeling of trust. Hope desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment, hope. And the general theme seems to be that hope is expectation or desire. But while hope is not less than this, hope is much more than this. Hope is more than expecting, feeling, and desiring. So what is hope? Before I attempt to answer that question, first let's recognize what hope is not. Hope is not determination. To be determined is a thing of the will. It is the force we bring to bear when we have to fight our way through difficult times. Determination is self-assertion. It is the audacity to superimpose my vision onto the landscape of my life and to refuse to be moved. Determination, it's not a bad quality to have, but it pales in comparison to the power of hope. Hope is not determination. Hope is not wishful thinking. To wish is to will some concrete good, some favorable outcome that sounds like hope. But the difference between hope and wishful thinking is that wishful thinking is limited in scope to the thing one wishes for. The farmer wishes for rain. The breadwinner wishes for a raise at work. So that the general rule is that the more specific the object, the more likely it is that you're wishing and not hoping. In modern vernacular, hoping is a response to stress of a kind and intensity that does not allow escape, suffering that cannot be ignored or repressed or refuted. Hope is our response to a hopeless situation. and Without hope, we would suffocate under the sheer weight of reality. When a person receives a diagnosis of terminal illness, she employs hope to withstand the tragedy. Another person is in prison and he immediately employs hope to help him make it through. This kind of hope is a response to stress. But the problem with this view of hope is that when there is no threat and there is no stressor, there would be no hope. Hope is much more than a response to the pressures and the stresses of life in this world. True hope, the hope that springs forth from God is a global experiential condition rather than any specific thing. It is a global experiential condition, in other words, Hope that comes from God is an unyielding disposition embedded within one's character. Rather than a temporary response to temporal circumstances, hope is a way of being, not merely something that one does. Hope is a disposition. And what is this disposition? What are the ingredients of hope? Paul lays it out for us in two words. He says that hope is the combination of joy and peace in believing. Hope. Joy and peace in believing. Hope produces joy within, and not just joy, but all joy. Paul prays, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy, comprehensive joy, joy that smiles in the face of every setback, every difficulty, and every trouble, joy. May God in his providence give you joy to meet every moment. May the God of hope fill you with great gladness. May you find something to celebrate in every calamity. May you dance in the light and in the darkness. May you laugh through every extraordinary moment, and even those moments you would rather forget. All joy, joy that answers every moment. If your childhood was not so good, may you still find, even in the pain of your past, a hint of triumph. May you discern the glory in your suffering, potential in your problems, hopefulness in your hurtful memories, joy. May the God of hope bless you to count it all joy. And why should you have joy when the world is on fire? Why should we be joyful when there are so many wars and rumors of wars? Why should you have joy when it seems like you're not living up to God's commands? Hmm. You should have joy because you have been accepted into the family Of God you should have joy because God has called you his own joy because God loves you joy because God has invited you joy because when this race is over you and I shall receive a crown all joy this joy is not predicated on present circumstance this joy is not fixed upon the changing sins of time but the joy which emanates from the throne room of God is joy unfettered from human words and human reasons. It is a joy unspeakable, yet filled with glory. The glory of the only begotten Son of God. And because we bask in the radiance of his glory, because we sit engulfed in the fires of his burning love, we are filled with joy. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That's the second ingredient of hope. Peace in believing. May God fill you with worry-free confidence. May God fill you with carefree assurance. May God grant you a rested faith. Not all faith is worry-free faith. I think we all know that. It is possible to believe in God and still vacillate between faith and fear. But Paul informs us today that it is possible to experience unremitting, unshakable faith. Maybe you felt it before on some occasion. It's the kind of faith that does not flinch in the fight. The kind of faith that does not strive, but quietly and peacefully waits on God. May God fill you with this type of peace in believing. But believing what? What is the object of such belief? Well, from our text we see that the source of our hope is God, and the object of our hopeful disposition is everything in general. Our hope is global in its scope. Our hope encompasses everything and all things pertaining to this life and the life that is to come. Our hope is not limited to apply to only some objective or to some singular goal. We believe that reality is merely a resource, an empty canvas where God makes and creates novelty and open-ended possibility. We peacefully believe that with God anything and everything is possible, peace in believing. There is no room from which we may not escape, there is no mountain we cannot climb, there is no valley we cannot traverse, no difficulty we cannot face, and we don't just believe it. We are settled into our hope, oblivious to the risk, undeterred by the impossibilities inherent in our quest. (laughs) Paul's prayer for you and I today is that we would rest confidently, fully assured and persuaded that with our God all things are possible, without question, without quandary, devoid of doubt and free from all fear, peaceful, patiently waiting to see what God will do for us. And for those of us who rest in confidence, we have surrendered ourselves to the dictates and designs of Almighty God. To follow his providential prescriptions wherever they may lead us, confident within that whatever is, is for our good. Whether darkness or light, because even the darkness is daylight to God. And the one who guides our future does not sleep and does not slumber, but he's already made a way for us through the wilderness. We believe that everything in our lives and in our future, everything belongs. And nothing is out of place. That the providence of God, the destiny God has in mind for us is forever secure. For the hopeful believer, the future is open-ended and no potential is off limits to him, to her. We are neither hungry nor thirsty, neither empty nor full because we are filled with a contentment in believing that overshadows every temporal inconvenience or discomfort of this world. Peace in believing. Paul prays, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope, hope is an unlimited heavenly resource administered to us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that hope is power. It is by faith that we are saved, but it is by hope that we experience our salvation. This Holy Spirit-empowered hope allows us access into the rich treasure that we have already inherited by faith. If love were the heart and faith were the mind, then hope is the senses, And it is by hope that we sense that all things are working together for our good. Hope. Hope gives the believer the ability to perceive reality as a process that can be altered rather than a foregone conclusion. By hope we perceive that no good door is closed to us. By the power of the Holy Spirit we have enough hope for this present moment and enough hope for all our days. We can have hope for our temporal future and hope for the world that is to come. Don't take your hope for granted, brothers and sisters. Take a moment to thank God for the very fact that you are able to hope in such a hopeless seeming world. It's not normal to hope. Hope is more powerful and hope is more palpable than simple optimism. Optimism is subjective. Optimism is very often based on unreality, but hope is objective, situated upon the promises of God cannot lie. Hope is a quality of living, a quality of liveliness. Hope is fully present in each and every moment, always engaged with the movements of God, brimming over with interest to see what God will do next. Hope. (laughs) Hope is the watchman upon the walls of our hearts, looking out over the darkness and emptiness, listening for the voice of the one who speaks life. Hope. Faith is God's servant, but hope is God's friend. Hope is the one who takes complete leave of his life, armed only with the guarantee that the one who loses his life for Christ will find it. And hope is not busy looking for new life. Hope looks for the one who gives life. Mm. Hope. Paul's prayer for us and my prayer for us today is that we will receive this hope by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we will overflow with joy and peace in believing that just as God has demonstrated his resourcefulness in sending Jesus Christ into this world to die and to rise that God is resourceful enough to order our every step and to make our way straight both now and forever hope Some of us have been blessed already with this gift of hope. This ability to count it all joy. This ability to see silver linings in the darkest of clouds. And this ability to patiently and peacefully wait on God until he comes. But some of us need this hope. Some of us right now today are feeling hopeless, are feeling lost, Worried and concerned and afraid. But Paul's prayer for you today is that the God of hope would fill you with all joy and peace in believing (laughs) so that you might be filled with the hope that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope. You know, everybody in the world has a little hope. I read somewhere it said that if people didn't have hope there would be no one alive in the world. Everybody has a little hope. Everybody's living for something. But the believer has the privilege of having hope in the divine providence of our God to know that no matter what occurs in my life, it has been planned, orchestrated, designed by my God and it will work together for my good. When you have this kind of power of hope, Brothers and sisters, you become unstoppable in your quest to know God. Because nothing can stop you and nothing can move you. You are determined to believe that come hell or high water, my God is with me. In the darkness, my God is with me. In every trial, in every suffering, my God is with me. And not only is God with me. But God has designed the very struggle. God has designed the very trial that I am experiencing. And I trust him so much that even though he slay me, I will trust in him. The day is coming. For the children of God are going to be called upon like never before to hope in God. To hold the line to rest peacefully in confidence that what God has promised, God is able to perform. Mm -hmm. One of my greatest privileges in my life is the opportunity to pass along such hope to every believer. Mm -hmm. So that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing, you are always confident within. That even though the world is going upside down and everything seems out of control, my God reigns. The one who loves me is in control and therefore I have reason to have joy and I am at peace in believing. I'm not struggling to believe. I don't have any questions. I trust him whatever he does, whether he takes me high or puts me low. huh? Whether I have plenty or whether I am in need, I trust him enough to believe that whatever's going on in my life right now is exactly what needs to occur for me. I have no desire for anything more nor anything less, only what God desires, because I trust in him. (laughs) Ha ha. This is the kind of faith that moves mountains. This is the kind of confidence that we can have, brothers and sisters. You and I can have this kind of confidence, steadfast and unmovable, always abounding, never afraid, never worried, I'll say it again, never afraid and never worried. (laughs) I know that it's supernatural to have this, but I'm sure that every believer can have it and deserves it. We are children of God. And so long as there is fear in your life, there cannot be true freedom. We have been designed by God to live in hope. Hope that makes not ashamed. But believes in the promises of God. believes in the creativity of God. We believe like children in the novelty of the providence of God. Where every door was closed, God opens a door before me. A door that I couldn't even see. That God makes ways when there is no way. Streams in the desert. God does this, brothers. He's done it for you, I'm sure. I'm sure you've seen it at some point in your life where God has caused a stream in your desert. God is novel when it comes to delivering his people. He will not let you down and he will not let you go. You have all reason. To have peace in believing and joy unspeakable, full of glory. (laughs) My mind, that message was as much for me as it is for you. To remind myself of where I come from, who I am in Christ Jesus, who Christ Jesus is to me. He is my way maker. He is my mountain mover, always has been, always will be. Let's pray. Oh Lord, my God. We thank you today for the hope that lies within us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who gives us hope and encouragement. But Father, you know that there are those among us today who are hanging on by a thread. Down to their last ounces of hope. Tempted to despair. I pray for them today. I pray, Lord God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would fill each of them with joy and new peace in believing. That you would cause them to have a confidence that even they cannot explain, and peace that passes all understanding. I pray for your people today, for those who struggle and suffer with anxiety, the pestilence of fear. I pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit will invade their hearts today. That you would revive them, reinvigorate them again to trust with sound confidence that what you have promised you are able to perform. Some are discouraged today, especially during the holiday seasons. I pray, Lord God, that by your Holy Spirit, you would encourage those who are discouraged, that you would strengthen feeble knees, that you would lift up holy hands. Hmm. That you would fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would be reminded within that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, who has loved us, who has given his life for us. We are your children, we are the sheep of your pasture. And though the enemy has come in like a flood, we pray right now, Lord God, that you would lift up the standard of faith against him. That you would deliver those who are bound in hopelessness, fear, depression, anxiety, and worry. That the power of your word, Lord God, today would go out and not come back to your void, but that it would accomplish the deliverance that you have so designed. That your people, Lord God, would have joy (laughs) and rest in believing. Do it for us now. We'll give your name all the glory, the honor, and the praise. It's in your name we pray, amen.